Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. The kings of Judah were faithful to Jehovah, at least in part. They held on to Jerusalem, the ground that God had given them for their worship. And they also kept an allegiance, at least outwardly, to the word of God, which was his law. The law of Moses in two sections was God's way in the Old Testament of both exposing man as well as revealing the divine plan for man to express God, bear his image, and be his testimony. In the end, God's people Israel were unable to keep either the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, or the ceremonial laws of God. And the result was that they eventually lost the good land entirely and lost their enjoyment of God's portion. This is a strong warning to us, but also as we look into these two aspects of the law, there is great hope, and we hope to bring that out in today's program. And Bob Danker has joined me for that purpose. Bob, good to have you here. It's good to be with you again, Chris. I love this portion. I think this is a very rich program potentially today. If the Lord is merciful and really graces us with his light and life, there's a a real rich uh, realization here, isn't there? There certainly is, Chris. Bob, I'm going to pick up a verse as we join Witness Lee for the first portion today. It's one we've used uh, many times. Uh, We used it in this life study of Chronicles, even though it's a verse from another book in the Old Testament, Jeremiah. And it's a verse that says so clearly and so succinctly what I think befell the children of Israel, both those that were in Judah and those that had departed and gone to the north. And it also speaks often of what befalls us and when we fail and lose the enjoyment of Christ and really lose the joy of our Christian life. Jeremiah 2.13 is the verse I'm talking about. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which hold no water. Marvelous verse, isn't it, Bob? It is, Chris. This points out to us, this verse, the real source of the degradation of God's people, and that is, eventually, they forsake God, who is the fountain of the living waters, and they turn to other things. In the case of Israel, it was idols. Right. Uh, In our case, it's also idols, because (laughs) anything other than God himself can be an idol. Anything that captures our heart, anything that we love or pursue after, this is a idol, and it replaces the true God. And this is the source, the root of all the degradation 
among God's people throughout all the centuries. Of course, in our case, Bob, um, unlikely that the idols are wood and stone. These are those ones that get lodged, as you said, in our heart, and those are much more difficult in a, uh, a real sense, aren't they, to rid ourselves of? They are, Chris. And the law, particularly the moral law, exposes this, whether it is uh, the children of Israel in the Old Testament or in in us. The law has this uh, aspect to it. And the moral law is really a portrait, a picture of God himself. It reflects the kind of God that he is. Uh, All these aspects point out that he is full of love, that he is full of holiness, he is full of righteousness, and uh, they're everything that we are not. And this is what is spoken of in the law of God on the moral side. But the other aspect of the law, these uh, many chapters uh, from Exodus 25 through the book of Leviticus, uh, actually much more luminous, aren't they, these verses on the ceremonial side? Yes, Chris, this is very interesting that the law has two sections. Most of us, when we think of the law, we think about the moral commandments, the Ten Commandments, with many other statutes and ordinances, which we do find in the book of Exodus. But the largest section of the law is not the moral section. It's a section which we call the ceremonial section of the law, and that is the laws that govern the tabernacle, the priesthood, the offerings, and the annual feasts of God's people. This is, uh, as you said, you find this in Exodus 25 through the entire book of Leviticus. We have many chapters that unveil to us the ceremonial part of the law of Moses. Well, it's this side that we're going to spend most of our time looking at today. The ceremonial side, people think, oh, well, I'm not too interested in these Old Testament things, but I think if they stay with us, they'll be very interested before we're through. Why don't we join Witness Lee and then come back to this great topic? The supplement in two chronicles to the history of the kings covers only 12 kings of the kings of Judah who were on the proper ground and keeping the fundamental faith according to God's word. And not one king of the kingdom of Israel. Israel, as the elect of God, should be sanctified, separated unto the holy God. But all the people, especially the kings of Israel, they forsake God. They went to God's enemies, the idols, to set up other centers set up centers other than Jerusalem that offended God to the utmost. Just like a wife, you forsake your husband and to get another man as your husband. Think about it. As a husband, do you believe God could take it? I said, no. The kings of Judah by their standing on the ground, by their keeping of the fundamental faith according to God's divine word was a pleasure to God. But, there's a big but, their condition did not match their standing. Most of them, like the kings of the kingdom of Israel, they foresaw God at the fountain of the living waters, 
and followed idols to hew out for themselves broken cisterns which hold no water. It seemed that none of them had a heart that was absolutely pure in seeking the kingdom of God. Thus, they broke the law of God, which was given to them through Moses to govern them and keep them in the enjoyment of the God-promised good land. Bob, we have mentioned this a little bit, but I think it's a good point to develop as we draw near the end of this life study of Chronicles. He makes the statement, they maintained their standing, they maintained a kind of proper standing, but their condition did not match their standing. And this was eventually the ultimate problem, wasn't it? That's right, Chris. Even though the kings of Judah kept the proper standing and kept the unity of the people of God, they kept Jerusalem as their unique worship center, They had the temple with the priests and the offerings. They didn't forsake these things. Mm -hmm. This was their standing. And also, they did keep the law of Moses to some extent. They regarded Moses' law as their, you may say, their fundamental faith in the Old Testament time. But as you said, their condition in relation to God and ultimately in relation to his law did not match their standing. Because they forsook God as the fountain of living waters and went away to idols as replacements for the one unique true God. In a sense, they were like an unfaithful wife who left her husband for another man. Mm -hmm. God was the husband to his people. He wanted them to love him, to cling to him, to be one with him as a wife would be one with her husband. But eventually the people were an unfaithful spouse to God. They forsook him. Because of their forsaking him, then they fell into all kinds of wickedness and evil in their conduct, and they thoroughly broke the moral section of the Mosaic law. And because their condition was so pitiful, and they were no longer the testimony of God, they didn't express God, God had to come in and to cause them to be carried away into captivity. They lost the good land. They lost the enjoyment of the land altogether because of their condition, not because of their standing. Okay, let's jump forward to the New Testament. Of course, in the Old Testament, God's way of dealing with his people was through the law. In the New Testament, God has another way, but it is an error to think that it is unrelated to the law. And that is, uh, I think, the key intrinsic point we want to bring out today. Marvelous verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to everyone who believes. Let's join Witness Lee as he develops this wonderful point. Now, what is the law of God? My, among the Christian writers, many books were written in the past defining what is the law of God. The law of God is just a portrait of God. It is God's photo. It speaks what can God hear, right? So the law of God is God's portrait. And, you know, eventually the law as the portrait of God 
as a testament of God, the law is a type of Christ. Romans 10 says, Christ is the end of the law. He is the totality of the law. He is the consummation of the law. So the law eventually becomes the image of God. If you keep the law, you bear the image of God. You express God. Very interesting. Those kings of Judah standing on the ground and keeping the fundamental faith, yet they didn't bear the image of God. They broke it. They broke it to pieces. So God came in. So okay. You're finished. You have no more time to enjoy what I have given you as a good land because you don't express me. Today, Christ is the good land. We all have been transferred into him. Today, we live in him. We work in him. But we have to stand on the proper ground. We have to keep the proper faith. Then you have to what? You have to live, work according to Christ, to exercise Christ. Then you will enjoy him. Bob, it seems that in one way, of course, we're free from the law in Christ. That is the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of the New Testament. But in another sense, our enjoyment of Christ, as he just described, is still hinged or linked to the law in a different way, not in the way of outwardly performing, but in a more vital way, isn't it? That's right. It's a great thing to realize that Christ is the reality of the Mosaic law. He is God's testimony. He is God's expression. And now, today, we as believers in Christ are not responsible to outwardly keep the Mosaic law. But this Christ, who is the reality of the law, is now the life-giving Spirit who dwells in our spirit. And Romans 8 tells us that if we would walk according to our mingled spirit, the spirit within us that is mingled with Christ as the life-giving spirit, then all the righteous requirements of God's law will be fulfilled in us. So the way for us New Testament believers to live is not to outwardly perform the commandments of the law, but to walk according to the spirit who dwells in our spirit. If we live such a life, we will become God's expression. We will express God's image, and God will be happy with us, and he will allow us to enjoy Christ as our good land, as our inheritance. Even he will enlarge the borders of our enjoyment. But if we do not live and walk according to the indwelling spirit, and instead of expressing God, we express our fallen self, then we will lose the enjoyment of Christ. And as the children of Israel were physically carried away to a foreign, idolatrous land, the land of Babylon, we will be carried away from Christ spiritually, and we will lose him as our present enjoyment. Of course, we can never lose Christ as our eternal portion, but we can lose our present enjoyment of Christ, our day-to-day enjoyment of him, simply by not walking according to the indwelling spirit, 
not expressing God's image, but are expressing our fallen self. Wonderful, wonderful fellowship. Apart from this indwelling, life-giving spirit, which is just Christ himself, we are no more capable of keeping the moral law of God than the children of Israel. We are doomed to repeat their history, aren't we? Absolutely, Chris. Well, for God's people, Israel, he provided another section of the law, knowing full well they would not be able to carry it out and keep it perfectly. And that is where the second aspect, the ceremonial law, comes in. Now, uh, we have a good amount of time left, I think, after Witness Lee's portion here to get in and touch this, because I think this is uh, very marvelous. On the one hand, you said earlier, Bob, we're all familiar with the Ten Commandments, the moral side of the law. But that's the side that condemns us and exposes us. Very little familiarity with the ceremonial law, all these things related to the tabernacle, the offerings, the priesthood, and the feast. This is the side of the law that saves us. So let's look at this as we join Witness Lee for the last portion. God knew that no man can keep the commandments as the moral section of his law to be justified by him. According to the moral section of the law, we all are condemned. Let me tell with you, have you never murdered? You say, never. But how about in your heart? So who can say in this room that he has never committed hatred? He has never committed adultery in the heart? Then how about stealing? Think about it. Then how about lying? Then how about coveting? We are, we are through. We are finished. <laughs> we are condemned under the commandment. So, by his grace and according to his economy, he also gave his people, hallelujah, the ceremonial section of his law that is all concerning Christ. Right? God foreknew that we could not keep his commandment. So he prepared the ceremonial laws to be our salvation, to save us from the condemnation under the moral laws. So we need the ceremonial section of God's law through which the condemned sinners, the breakers of the moral law of God, could contact him and enter into him. Hallelujah. We can contact God under God uh, to enjoy him as everything. Now, the entire law of God was decreed to his people by him with the intention to expose and convict the people by the moral section of his law that they would be conducted to the all-inclusive Christ for their redemption, salvation, and bountiful enjoyment in every aspect into eternity. Bob, how can we say the moral law of God is that which condemns us, but the ceremonial aspect of the law is that which saves us? Well, Chris, if we compare ourselves, I think, with the moral requirements of the law of Moses, we all would realize that uh, we have no place to stand. We are absolutely 
the law-breaking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't break it in our conduct outwardly, we break it in our heart inwardly. That's right. We cannot escape. We just have this fallen nature that is contrary to God's law, which is God's testimony and God's expression. So there's no way for us to get through if there's only the moral section of the law. So God knew that his people would have a problem keeping the moral law. So he gave them the ceremonial section of the law. As you mentioned, the laws related to the tabernacle, the priesthood, and all the offerings, and all the feasts. All of these things in the ceremonial section of the law are types of Christ. The moral law is a type of Christ, a picture of Christ, and the ceremonial law with all its aspects is another picture of Christ in a different aspect so that we, the breakers of the moral law, would come to Christ, who is the reality of the tabernacle, with the priesthood, with the offerings, and with the feasts, so that through Christ as the offerings, our sins, our failures in keeping the moral law could be washed away. And we, the sinners redeemed by Christ through his death on the cross, could enter into the tabernacle. That means we enter into Christ. We enter into God. And once we enter into the tabernacle, there are many wonderful things in there. Right. There's the lampstand, yeah. the bread, mm-hmm. there's the incense, there's the Holy of Holies with the ark and its contents, all of this for us to enjoy. These are the riches of Christ. These are the riches of God, which we can enjoy even though we are breakers of the moral law. So the moral law exposes that our relationship with God has been broken, but it's the ceremonial aspect of the law that restores our relationship, renews our access to him, and establishes or reconnects us to God in a living fellowship. Absolutely, Chris. The ceremonial section of the law reconnects us to the righteous God. We who are unrighteous can be restored to our fellowship with God, our enjoyment of God, even to the point of feasting with God. All these feasts in the book of Leviticus, this is a picture of our enjoyment of Christ together with God. So eventually, in all the seven annual feasts, God's people were enjoying something with God. Mm. This is a picture of that God's salvation through the offering, through Christ as our unique offering, through Christ as our tabernacle, and through all these feasts, brings us to a place where we are mutually enjoying Christ together with God. What a tremendous salvation this is. And it's given to us who are the fallen sinners, the breakers of the moral law. Boy, Bob, these are precious, priceless words. I realize our radio audience is, is somewhat limited I really wish that every believer could hear these words. This is too marvelous. It's really seeing the word of God in the Old Testament through the New Testament lens that Witness Lee was so adept at doing. And I don't know what else to say other than priceless. It is priceless, Chris. Well, the printed life study message is something that I really hope that you'll take advantage of the opportunity of getting uh, because it develops this side of the ceremonial aspect of the law being a type of Christ. Of course, the moral aspect of the law is a portrait, a picture of Christ. That is how Christ lives, is in the positive reality of all of those things. But the ceremonial law is also a type of Christ in everything that he has gone through to reconnect us, to reestablish us in our contact and fellowship with God. 
too tremendous. Bob, thank you for your help, not only today, but uh, throughout this live study of uh, Chronicles, and look forward to joining you again. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to call us to get any of these live study volumes, uh, is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God. And the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.